Hello, welcome to the LDS study session with me, your host, Matthew Roberts. It is uh, for today, episode 196, and we are studying from the Come Follow Me materials for this week. We are in December the 9th to December the 15th, Revelations chapter 1, verses of chapter 1 to 11, sorry, uh, which is entitled Glory and Power Be Unto the Lamb Forever. We are beginning looking at John's vision teaches how God's uh, Heavenly Father saves his children. Now, this is a big one. Uh, a really big one and in the study that I've done today I've only managed to really get through well not all of chapter 12 um, the manual su suggests um, looking at the uh, things that we're going to look at over this next couple of days in in relation to the pre-mortal life in chapter 12 and then in other chapters we find located mortality and post-mortality and uh, I've really delved right into chapter 12 and found enough for a whole podcast episode on just pre-mortality. And to be honest, I've not really covered all of it either. Uh, and so strap yourselves in. This is going to be a, a, a big study. So uh, with chapter 12, we begin in verse 1 uh, with the, uh, this woman uh, that we're told about. It says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed in the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. So, uh, I remember when I was first reading this uh, in my first year of se seminary and being completely baffled, uh, and I was obviously taught kind of the, sy the symbolism behind this, but it's only really, you know, 15 or so years later that I'm starting to really start to grasp what this sign or wonder was. Uh, it's kind of the inception of the, the, the church, of Christ Church, we know that the woman is representative of the Church of Christ, and how and the covenant people associated with that church. Um, now, the sun, the moon, and the twelve stars. Uh, to kind of get a deeper understanding of this, uh, I had to go a bit uh, deeper. Uh, and if you go and uh, download the um, manual, the uh, the Institute's uh, student manual for the New Testament. Uh, there is a lot of breakdown of all of these things there. And to be fair, um, it's, it's something which I have drawn heavily on uh, to kind of give, to kind of bring materials for this episode together. Uh, the woman clothed with the sun uh, could be likened to the church's role in preparing the saints for the celestial kingdom. Obviously, the sun is very representative of the, t of the celestial world, celestial kingdom. And so this would seem to be symbolic of that. The moon under the feet of the uh, the woman uh, was a bit more con uh, confusing to me, uh, but Elder Bruce R. McConkie stated that uh, it could be likened to the other churches of the earth that can only reflect light, as the moon can only reflect the light of the sun. Uh, this would indicate the church, like churches that don't have the, the full truth, that reflect light, uh, that are under the feet of the woman and its role in preparing the saints for the special kingdom. I thought that seemed to make sense. Obviously, you know, that's his impression, and obviously he was, he was very in tune with the spirits, but uh, there may be other meanings to this as well. And of course, actually, before I be continue, it should be stated that whilst these are, these are uh, interpretations, which obviously have been approved and taught by uh, the servants of the Lord on the earth, there will be other, like, uh, other symbols or... Um, represent representations that are uh, made by these uh, these things as well. The twelve stars, um, 
are likened to the 12 apostles of the church. Uh, and what I would do uh, before, before I continue on uh, is, you know, some of these things, I would have a little game with, with if you have uh, kids, have a game of this. So what we did last night is we drew these are things. So uh, I drew uh, a lamb. So obviously at some stage in, uh, in the chapter 12, in verse 11, it talks about blood of the lamb. So I drew a lamb. So I drew a sheet with a little baby bottle next to it, and they got that it was a lamb. And actually, to be fair to my son, uh, he straight away got it because obviously a few weeks ago or a month or so ago, in the Hebrews chapter, we talked about the lamb being representative of Christ. We showed that video of the sacrifice of the, the lamb and how it, was, how it represents the Savior making his atonement for us. And so my son just straight away picked that up and was like, oh, well, that's Jesus because he's, he's like the lamb. He, he died for us, which I was absolutely amazed by. That was brilliant. Uh, and then I drew uh, a candlestick with seven lights, and that represented this, the branch of the church, the early church, the seven branches. Uh, and then um, my wife, she drew uh, the 12 stars, also the, the woman, the bride, if you like. And then also, and we'll come on to this right now, uh, the dragon. And she drew a great dragon. They got it, which is great, because I'm glad I didn't, I didn't have to draw that. Um, but yeah, a, a red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Now, I was fascinated by these number of heads and crowns and horns, uh, and I was trying to kind of find something which would you know would basically give the give me the answer. Uh, there wasn't anything that I could see that gave me the answer as to why there were seven heads and crowns and thorns. Uh, what I can you know gain from this or gather when I think about the adversary and I think about his role and I think about his attributes and I then look at this this dragon. Obviously, a dragon is a symbol of. Power. It's also a symbol of, of destroy, destroying things, of destruction, if you like. Uh, red is an interesting one. Um, I guess it was red because of the symbol of evil that was with, with that was with that or anger, perhaps. You know, we tend to link red, the color red, to feelings and emotions of anger and frustration and uh, things like that. So that could probably be that. And then the seven heads and horns and seven heads, ten horns and seven crowns. Uh, basically, I just kind of took the view that, well, this kind of symbolizes the the power, the power that he has, the fact that he has seven heads, that the danger that there is, rather than just being one head, seven heads just multiplies that by seven, you know, how dangerous that is. And we often hear that the, the number seven being used often as a symbol of, you know, uh, how, more, how much more uh, we need to do it. I think about the, the phrase from our Savior of, needing to, to repent seven times 70. Now, obviously, he doesn't mean, you know, 490 times we must, sorry, not repent, forgive people. Uh, he doesn't mean that we need to forgive people 490 times and then we stop. Um, but basically that it's, you know, a, an infinite number of times. And Satan seems to have a, a large amount of power uh, with these number of heads and horns and crowns. Um, and then, of course, we read about uh, the the his tail drawing a third of the hosts of heaven, uh, which of course is representative of the, uh, the pre-mortal life where a third of the hosts of heaven followed Lucifer's plan as opposed to the father's plan. And then in verse six, we uh, kind of come back to earth as you like. And uh, the woman flees into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God 
that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Uh, this was interesting. So the the, um, the student manual uh, suggests that the woman fleeing into the wilderness is representative of the great apostasy. Uh, and actually, in verse fourteen, it continues that imagery with her being given two wings of a great eagle. If you look in Exodus 19, 19 verse 4, uh, it says about how um, the Lord uh, rid, like saved Israel uh, like, like a great eagle. So the eagle's wings are representative of divine deliverance, uh, which is certainly true when you think about the church, you know, going, being, being made apostatized and then over the years was brought back by, a divi by divine intervention. Uh, in the sacred grove to begin with, but of course is continuing today. Uh, so that was interesting. What I found interesting was the uh, the thousand two hundred and three score days. That's one thousand two hundred and sixty. Uh, the Joseph Smith translation does does change this from days to to years. Um, but even again, you know, I think that we would be careful to look into that and say oh well then that must be a perfect number of something you know that shows that this will happen at this point uh as we know you know that the, the timeline that the will of the lord is his and whilst you know we might use that to try and predict when something might happen we would be careful to do so i mean we know that times and dates and years and and things like this are, are mainly representations again like the seven times seventy it's just meant to be a an expression of how long it was. And so this 1,203 score days, I would suggest, is probably just a representation of a long period of time, longer than, you know, a few generations, which, of course, the great apostasy was. So uh, that would be what I would be inclined to think with this. I'm aware that I've reached my, uh, my general self-imposed time of 10 minutes already, but I do want to conclude with verses 7 to 8. Um, and actually, there's a few things that I've not even managed to share that, yet that I wanted to. Um, this woman, which obviously had the sun, the moon, and the stars around her, um, Elder James E. Faust uh, said something about this in the April 2006 General Conference. He said, quote, Each one of you can be a friend to someone, even if it is, if it is only by smiling. Like Vicky, you can let the sunshine that is in your heart show on your face. The Apostle John wrote of a, of a woman clothed in the sun and the moon under her feet. Similarly, you young women can be bearers of light, and I would liken this also to any member of the church. Uh, close quote. I would liken this to any member of the church. And this is what I was actually trying to say. With Obviously, we have approved resources saying that the woman is you know, the representative of the church, the sun is symbolic of its potential to draw people to the celestial kingdom, and so on. Uh, but President Faust here also made it a representative of us and how we can have our light shine from us as we, uh, as we, as we are examples of uh, the gospel. So that was something I wanted to share. Uh, John Taylor said this uh, about the adversary when uh, this red dragon was introduced. He said, quote, Satan had already been struggling in the heavens among the sons of God from whom he descended, and thus he became the devil. And they that took sides with him became his angels. We are told they numbered a third of the hosts of heaven. And whilst they fought and struggled with the gods for the power and supremacy, they were cast out from heaven and they came here, where Satan became the prince and power of the air. What to do? To tempt and try fallen man. 
They wander up and down the earth for this purpose. Thus man is placed in a position to be tried, combating as he has to do with all manner of influences which seek his, which seek his overthrow. Close quote. Now, referring to this war in heaven, uh, we know that uh, there was this war with Michael and his angels against the dragon and his angels, and they prevailed not, and then, of course, he was cast down to earth. Uh, in October 2001, uh, Gordon B. Hinckley said this, quote, That must have been a terrible conflict. The forces of evil were pitted against the forces of good. The great deceiver, the sun and the of the morning, was defeated and banished, and took with him a third of the hosts of heaven. Close quote. So, a lot there. And actually, I've not really gotten through everything, uh, but I think those were the key points that I wanted to get out of this chapter alone. So that's one chapter down, uh, you know, a lot more to go. And I haven't even mentioned the, 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 the concluding verses of this, but uh, perhaps I'll return to those later. Thank you for listening. If there's anything that you've enjoyed from this study, please share it at MattSRoberts90 on Twitter email ldsstudysession at gmail.com and if you have anything you've been studying or any insights that you have i would love to hear them uh, on any of those platforms thank you very much for your time and until we meet again